0: UW LaCrosse political <laughs> science professor, Dr. Anthony Trigosky. We'll make him do the weather here in a minute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Rick. Yeah, I'm just getting
1: my daughter outside right now because if I don't do it right now, it's going to be too stinking hot for the rest of the day.
0: You just leave baby in the car while you do shopping. It's fine. It's no big deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's never gotten anyone in trouble.
0: All right. So, big question: Did you did you sit down for the whole two hours with popcorn and soda and beer and? <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I, I watched the whole thing. I did not have a great spread for the debate. I had some chips and guac. That is my typical uh, typical political uh, menu. But I thought it was a really interesting debate. I probably won't affect the race that much because there was. Someone who was conspicuously absent from the debate, and he really did not go mentioned throughout much of the night. But uh, I thought it was a fun—it was a fun debate to watch. Honestly, the candidates mixed it up, even if this ends up not really influencing the poll numbers in the Republican field.
0: Do you think did anything get accomplished in terms of okay, this person really, really kind of is now going to move to the forefront because of what they did or said?
1: I'm really watching Vivek Ramaswamy because so much of the attention was devoted to him during the debate. Now, that was a little surprising. I mean, Ron DeSantis is polling in second place. Donald Trump is clearly the frontrunner in the polls, yet overall, the most incoming, if you will, the criticisms and the barbs, by and large, were directed to the businessman and entrepreneur Vivek. And yeah, I think, might have been a bit of a mixed bag for him, yet with all the criticisms he faced, he might see his unfavorable numbers rise, the people who view him unfavorably. Yet, I think he also had some breakthrough moments. I mean, he really speaks the language of, kind of a lot of the folks in the Republican base. I think he really talks in a way that may resonate with some of those Republican voters. I think I noticed a bit of a generational gap as I was Kind of hearing the reaction to the debate, where younger Republicans kind of liked what they were hearing from Vivek, but overall, time will tell. Certainly, he was the standout of the night, for better or for
0: worse, for him. Yeah, I was going to say. So in Milwaukee, Scott Walker, if you follow him on Twitter, he he was really hyping this up. He's he like leads that youth GOP foundation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of uh, younger Republicans were at the debate because maybe because of Scott Walker, I'm not really sure. Um, it, th- this is the, the divide we often talk about. So I think maybe a lot of younger Republicans would like to hear what he said, although the, his climate talk was like, mm, I don't know if, if you're going to get young voters to vote for you. You probably want to like ease up on that. Um, but then the older voters are not going to vote for Vivek.
1: Rick, I, I was just going to mention that thing about climate, because I, I do think Vivek, just the fact that he is the youngest candidate in the field, has the potential to connect with younger voters. I mean, he's kind of into tech. He's this fresh face in the field. I think he has the potential to really connect with people at the same time. You mentioned that young voters group that... Scott Walker runs. And one of the questions was a video question from a member of that group. And the question was about climate change. And that led to a question where the moderators asked the candidates to raise their hand if they believe in human-caused climate change. Now, that led to a lot of awkward responses. Let's just say a lot of candidates who weren't really sure what to do, but Vivek was quite out there in saying that he believes climate change is a hoax. So on the one hand, you have younger voters who do care about climate, do care about the environment. Yet Vivek was the person who was really blunt, frankly, compared to the rest of the field when it came to talking about his view that climate change is a hoax. And it really candidates, by and large, dancing around that issue. But again, for better or for worse, Vivek was quite direct in how he answered
0: that question. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Trugoski hanging out with us. All right, I got to take a news break. We'll bring him back if if Savannah allows us uh, when we come back. (laughs) I could I could have played Broncos bravado for you, (laughs) Trugoski. It's it's the Hayes has the music bed, so you just it's all random what you get. Sometimes it's really slow. This one's not too bad. It's a little upbeat.
1: I like this one. This
0: one isn't bad. You're right. <laughs> UW-Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski hanging out with us this morning, kind of kind of giving us the rundown of what his thoughts were on the GOP debate last night. And then he'll be back tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow in Lacrosse Talk PM with me, as he usually is on a Friday afternoon. Um, all right. So I guess, you know, from reading and, and social media clips, I would say the two things I took from the debate were Vivek Ramsway, uh, you know, stealing some headlines and also like everyone else yelling at Vivek Ramsway. Are they all threatened by him? Is that the deal? Like, okay, we got to team up as a group of seven to put this guy down because uh, he's a threat to us. He's third in polling.
1: Yeah, I think kind of two theories behind why Vivek was a target for so much of the debate. The first theory is that the candidates are seeing something in their poll numbers to indicate that they need to go after him if they are to increase their poll numbers. You know, that there's something about his momentum in the race. There's something about the type of supporters he's attracting that makes him a real threat to the rest of the field. That's one theory. The other theory that I've heard kicked around is that they just find him annoying like, they just they kind of view him as this know-it-all who you know, isn't in government. He just kind of marches into the race and really disrupts the campaign. And, you know, I think that you know, kind of both theories might have some merit. I mean, Vivek's numbers have been on the rise. He was pretty clearly in third place at this point behind Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. At the same time, it was quite clear that Mike Pence found Vivek irritating and Nikki Haley slammed him with some of the harshest words of the night, saying that Vivek is basically naive when it comes to Putin and Vivek lacks foreign policy experience. So, yeah, I don't know if it's strategic or I just don't like this guy.
0: Yeah, his, I mean, he thunders in, in a way that, okay, first of all, there, there is a video of him and Obama from what, 2008, Obama, 2000, 2008, right? There's a video of, like, he just, he totally copied what Obama said in 2008 when Obama was a nobody and and, and said his, you know, his line, Vivek totally copied him. That was pretty interesting. I, that was definitely by design.
1: I absolutely noticed this, Rick, and I I am wondering, was this a calculated strategy by Vivek? Because he referred to himself as a skinny guy with a funny last name, which is almost word for word a well-known line that Barack Obama used kind of earlier on in his rise in national politics. And Chris Christie caught on to that. You know, there are a lot of folks on social media who are like, hey, that line from Vivek sounded a lot like that line Obama used. Chris Christie caught on to that and said, We don't need an amateur like Obama to be the president and he called Vivek of course an amateur and then of you know, Christie had one of the other more memorable moments of the night where he said that Vivek sounds like chat GPT. So uh there were some good singers for sure going back and forth, you know, maybe a few viral moments. Uh, Nothing that really shakes up the fundamentals of the race that Trump is the front runner. And yeah, I think DeSantis was able to stop the bleeding to some extent. If you're DeSantis, that's what you need to do. The campaign is not going well for Ron DeSantis. You just need a strong debate performance to reassure your supporters. I don't think this debate really turns things around for him, but again, maybe it at least stops his decline and then his campaign can recalibrate from there.
0: Now, okay. In 2008, we it was a I'm trying to think of the circumstances for president because it, 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 this thing is different here, right? Like even if Vivek comes out of nowhere to to become the Donald Trump is like looming over all of these people, so it, it is all kind of all for naught, is not it not?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm really wondering about, Rick. I mean, like by far Vivek was targeted more than Donald Trump was, and I mean theoretically, if you want to make up ground in this race. You've got to start going after Donald Trump. Now, it was the predictable people who went after Trump, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. Now, Nikki Haley went after Donald Trump for a couple of things. She said that the Trump administration increased the national debt, or at least that the national debt rose while Donald Trump was in office. And that is absolutely true. Uh, Now, people can debate why that happened, but it is indisputable that the national debt rose quite a bit while Trump was in office. And then Nikki Haley also pointed to what she says is Donald Trump's overall unpopularity with the American people, saying that, look, the Republicans need to nominate someone who can win. And from her point of view, Donald Trump cannot win or at least is unlikely to win compared to her, presumably, or some others in the Republican field.
0: I mean, we've we've delved into this theory. La- I think last week, Friday, the idea that none of these people want to go after Trump because they want Trump's supporters just in case Trump can't run for president for you know ninety-one indictments and maybe he pleads out a plea deal where, uh, hey, we'll we won't put you in jail because as long as you don't run for president, I've he- I've heard that theory floated too.
1: This is a really memorable moment of the night where the moderators asked the candidates to raise their hand if they would still support Donald Trump, even if Trump was convicted of a crime. And Ron DeSantis takes a little bit of a pause, looks to his left, it seems, maybe (laughs) glances around, it appeared, and then raises his hand. It just shows the tightrope, to your point, Rick, that Ron DeSantis is trying to walk. He knows that he cannot offend Donald Trump supporters too much because if he's going to be the Republican nominee, he's got to win over some people who support Donald Trump. He's got to win over some people who like Donald Trump. At the same time, he's competing with Donald Trump. So it's just this really tough tightrope. I mean, the, the idea for, De, for Ron DeSantis is that, you know, you, you kind of preserve your standing with Trump voters as long as possible. Maybe Trump falls apart, and then DeSantis is there to pick up the pieces and become the Republican nominee. Of course, if you're walking the tightrope, you also run the risk of, offending everyone. So it's really difficult calculation strategically that DeSantis is trying to pull off and perfectly illustrated by his hesitant response. It seemed to the question of if he would still back Trump, even in the case of a conviction,
0: do we just need a president to be like a good orator to, to win the presidency as as, like Vivek, obviously he he's got that down. Chris Christie is pretty good at that. Uh, the other ones, I guess, I didn't see. I, I didn't see enough to to make a determination. Obviously, Donald Trump can ramble on and on forever. Uh, Obama is kind of known for being a great orator. Joe Biden, not known for being a great orator, right? Like so, uh, you know, I, I was saying earlier, like, and, and I was, and what I'm getting at is Ron DeSantis, not not great socially, but do you need to be great socially to be president? Uh, I feel like you kind of do because you're going to other countries, you're you're on display. You know, you're talking to other leaders. So there, there is a, a part of this where you actually probably kind of got to be the princess a little bit. Yeah,
1: I've been thinking a lot about that, Rick. Like, to what extent is this a personality contest, and to what extent is this about policy? Now, to the great credit of uh, Brett Bayer and Martha McCallum, the two moderators, they focused quite a bit on policy, and there were some interesting policy exchanges, some divisions within the field about going after federal restrictions on abortion, some in the field, like Mike Pence, wanting to see the national government pass a more restrictive abortion policy. And others like Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, and Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, saying, no, we should not have a national restriction on abortion. We should just leave it to the states. And then, you know, other issues. I mean, we talked about the issue of Ukraine, how there were some real kind of sharp back and forth on the issue of you know, United States support for Ukraine and what should the United States position be towards Putin. So there was like a lot of policy. But, at the end of the day, that might not really matter if this does just come down to like who is most likable, who is the best speaker, who is the strongest leader. Who do people like the most, just personally? Just the vibes, if you will, that the candidates convey. So, I mean, I think it was a very policy-oriented debate, but I just don't know how much that really matters at the end of the day, when a lot of times voters aren't really doing a detailed analysis of policy. They're just saying, who can I imagine in the White House? Who can I, who do I like? And just kind of that sort of thing. So personality versus policy, I think, was a big theme of the night, a big theme of this campaign.
0: That's UW-La e. Crosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergoski. Uh He'll be back with me tomorrow if you want to listen to lacrosse Talk PM at 5 p.m. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. All right. We're going to let him go back to, uh, I would say, babysitting, but it's his kids, So parenting. That's what it's called, parenting.